All right, sir. We're going to get started here. Okay. Are you comfortable? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. All right. Now, don't don't be nervous. Yeah. A colonoscopy is a very simple procedure. Yeah. I've done a million of them. Nothing okay. to worry about. Okay, okay. All right. Let's get started. All right. And uh, again, I just need you to relax. I'm trying, doctor. It says in my notes here, your name is... Uh, your name is Harold? No, it's Howard. Oh, Howard. I'm sorry. Can't read my own writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Howard. Uh, Howard. Howard, let's get started with the uh, the colonoscopy now. Sure. Okay. You're going to feel a little pressure. Howard's End oh, 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 oh. will not be presented at this time. Anybody ever call you Howie? So that we can bring you the following special podcast. You look like you've been getting a little sunshine, Howard. <laughs> it's almost live. Still alive. It's alive! A limited podcast series about Northwest Television's legendary TV sketch comedy show. An amazing phenomenon. Featuring intimate conversations with the writers, performers, creators. Rustlers, cutthroats, murderers, bounty hunters, desperados, bushwhackers, hornswagglers, horse thieves, bulldogs, train robbers, bank robbers, ass kickers, shit kickers, and messages. Your host was one of them. I think I would remember a thing like that. Pat Cashman. What's the matter with you? Almost live. This is just a real nice surprise. Still alive. Just a real nice surprise. By the time the late 1990s arrived, the venerable old battleship, the SS Almost Live, was clipping along competently with its veteran sailors. But it also increasingly began taking on new younger crew members. Joel McHale, Brooks McBeth, and more diversity with the immensely gifted David Scully, Kim Evie, Barb Klansnick, Matt Smith, and Victor Morris. They brought talent, youth, and new points of view, including the woman this episode is about. (laughs) Now today, as I look back at the list of all the people who were part of Almost Live, I can't think of any who moved on to completely different careers altogether. I mean, after the show wrapped for good years ago, none of the cast members went into the clergy or became an actuary, astronaut, statistician, pipe fitter, cartographer, or tried their hand at dentistry. At least successfully. Yes, Joe Guppy became a psychotherapist for a while, but he also taught comedy. They went hand in hand after all. But most everyone else moved from almost live to somewhat related fields. Some onto other TV work, Writing projects, stand-up comedy, public speaking, theater. But one former cast member has pretty much done and continues to do all of those things. And she was already under sail before she ever arrived at Almost Live. Like, there, I was doing a show in um, in Portland. The front row was just full of, of old white men just doubled over in their seats. Like, my God, the whole entire front row has passed away. But it's, they're just asleep. And asleep before I've even come out on stage. You know, And they're not even giving me a chance to put them to sleep. They're already, they've done it themselves. Lauren Weedman has a performing career longer than King Kong's arms. Both of them. She's acted in countless movies and TV shows, from Arrested Development to Will and Grace, Two Broke Girls to Masters of Sex. She's played major roles in the HBO series Hung and Looking. But as you will hear, her very first TV experience was on Almost Live. After that show went bye-bye, she later became a correspondent on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. She's done a ton of theater, including no less than 11 solo plays she wrote herself. 
Lauren is also the host of the Moth Storytelling Slam in Santa Monica. She's a notable painter of art. She's performed everywhere on stage in the country. Oh, and she's also the author of two books. That's two more books than some people have read. And you can see her now in HBO's series, Euphoria. This is one of the most accomplished talents that ever graced the studios of Almost Live. Actress, comedian, theater artist, painter, author, playwright, and the single mom of Leo. Here from her place in L.A. is Lauren Weedman. I was getting on one of the websites that uh, details some things about you, and I was caught by uh, the subject matter that said Lauren Weedman, height, weight, uh, all of that stuff. So I get on it, of course, because I thought I should know your height and your weight before we do this interview, but they didn't have it. So I thought before we get underway, uh, how tall are you and how much do you weigh? Oh, perfect. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Um, <laughs> been on my mind. Yeah, I'm, I've, I'm, this morning I was 100. Oh, you I don't, don't need myself. to answer that. I'm really just know. kidding. Oh, you won't even let me say it because you know it's a shameful thing. Okay. Like, you know, you're like, don't say it. it Can must I be guess? Painful. Can I just take a swing at it? <laughs> Normally people are like, I have to sit on, so, never mind. But, but yes, no, yeah. I don't. would say you're under 300. Yes, yeah. that's very, okay. God, that's weird. All right, that's good. Do you remember well, that bit? There was a bit that Bob Nelson wrote called Fool the Guesser. It was a series of <laughs> little things. He was playing the part of a guy working at the at the county fair who, who you'd walk up to his booth, and for $3, he would guess your weight, and if he was right, uh, you would get a prize. And so uh, you come up, and I'm your husband, Oh, yeah. I was on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were on it. You just you don't oh, you say very little during the whole thing. But th th uh -huh. this was the bit. Okay, step right up and fool the guesser right here. Come on, just two hours. Fool the guesser. You, sir. So then you and I walk up, and Bob is supposed to guess your weight. Okay, uh, I'll guess that uh, her breasts aren't real. <laughs> and so I punch him. Good. Okay. Okay. I'm guessing that my nose is broken and that uh, she's sleeping with her tennis coach. Oh! I punch him again, of course. All right. Okay. And now Bob is really hurting. I'm guessing that I'm about to pass out <laughs> and that she weighs about 122 pounds. And then Bob the guesser collapses. What a fraud. He was way off on the weight. <laughs> I have a Bob Nelson. Um, uh, I have so many like quotes from Almost Live that are already, it's okay to talk about Almost Live in this environment, right? Finally. Uh, really not on this podcast, no, but not on this uh, podcast, since we've yeah. gone there, let's, I guess it's okay, but let's yeah, get let back to the topic, from... which of course is about continental drift. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's so on for me, that's so on point. It sounds like aging. Um, I, the, the quote that I have always from, but that Bob Nelson wrote a sketch about, um, was based on that book, top 10 habits of highly effective people. Yes. Yes. And then he did a parody of the top 10 habits of highly mediocre people. Oh yeah. It goes top 10 habits of highly me mediocre people. The first habit is calling out good enough in the middle of a project and walking away. And that has been a life lesson for me. I just got a, a text from Bob who's listening in. He said the, it was called The Seven Habits of Highly High People. So, <laughs> so now, now we've got that figured out. 
Thanks for doing this. Where are you? Where are you living these days? I'm living in Santa Monica, California, which is it's um yeah I'm it's in a the fall like a rent city controlled... in California, right? It's the what city? The fall city. I've always compared the two. It is the it is the fall city. What's that mean? Well, I mean fall city is like Santa Monica, except there's no beach. If you drive to Yakima, you'll see the sign that says "Welcome to Yakima, the Palm Springs of Washington." Right. <laughs> and now I'm told there's a sign outside of Palm Springs that says "Welcome to the Yakima." Of Southern California, California. <laughs> yeah, that that that's a that's a pretty good one. Oh my God, I'm turning into Ed McMahon on here. Yes, thank, <laughs> you, thank you, Ed. Ed, have you yeah, been drinking? Right. Totally. What do you weigh, Ed? Um, hey, uh, <clears throat> that's. But it's the fall city, meaning it's always fall here. You know what? I don't need to analyze everything. I'm sorry. What 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 a um a ruiner I am with the with comedy. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Um, I it's Santa Monica is it's it, people are always like, oh my God, Santa Monica. Oh my God, you're right by the beach. Oh you my have God, a Ferris wheel. Yeah. Yeah, you're so lucky, which hasn't been spinning. Hmm. Mm. Um, but it's uh, we're in a pretty. I'm in a pretty small apartment across from a, um, a kind of a pirate park. Um, you know what I mean? Oh, like man, a real hangout I for a lot you. of mayhem. Lucky me. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. I would be loving that if I were you. Oh, oh, totally. You're, yeah, if you're a pirate level, oh, you're yeah. level, lover, you'd love it. But it's a, it's a, it's delightful. Lots of small dogs. And is that how you pick the apartment? You say I'm looking for a place right across from a pirate theme park. Do you have it? Yes, I'm. I'm looking for a place that 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 throughout the day, if I open up the window, I will hear the sounds of what I'm actually saying to myself all day long. Like you piece of shit, you father me, you're out, right, That's I want to hear my inner voice being screamed yeah. at me. Park, which yeah. is basically what happens. You're like, oh, you never did anything. There's always sort of yeah. people in the middle of like, what's it all about? This is nothing. And I'm like, I hear you, pirate. Yeah, that's you're very lucky to live in a place like that. Yes, grateful. Um, hashtag grateful. Hashtag real blessed. So somehow we're going to get to how you got onto the show almost live. But oh. before we get there, let's get to you. Uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Um, oh, I know that you. I think you That's were fine. adopted, correct? Tell me. Oh, whoa. I come off that way. Um, I get that a lot in meetings. They're like, adopted, right? Yeah, I can spot um, an uh, adopted person right away. Really? Because yeah. they're always drunk? No. I'm always kidding. alone? Kidding. Always. If they, oh, okay. I, I couldn't. Well, I'm uh, lucky that my um, parents hung around because no one would have ever adopted me. So I just got lucky. <laughs> I just realized the other day that I think I was, that my, uh, because I've never really told the, I've never really been told exactly what happened when I was born. Like I know my birth mother, but oh, you do, I do. Yeah, I met her when I was like twenty. But there, did you seek her I, out, or did they? Should they come forward? How I didn't work? seek her out. She, um, my birth, my adopted mother, when I was like eighteen, hmm. I asked one question where I was just, I was like, do you have any more information about them that maybe you haven't told me? And then that after that, she was like, we can return her. Like she was immediately. Hmm went out and started doing the search and was got way it was, it was because of murder she wrote was really popular at the time right. and, and, she, and my mom didn't have that much going on so she um and not to say you know being a depressed housewife is i know how consuming it is but um you know she ended up doing all this searching stuff for it so i met my birth mother and my birth father and all these but and i found know out that your real name is angela lansbury <laughs> <laughs> That would have been perfect. Actually, even even more um, apropos, my real name, if they would have kept me, would have been Tammy Lisa. 
Oh, which I found out later. I know, which also God, you'd be in country music you. right now. Yes, and yeah. no, but it's it's that's been a theme in the last since I found that out. So like that's when my teeth. I was like, because I have a big old of an overbite, and I was like, oh my god, Tammy Lisa's lurk. Like all these <laughs> things. Like I would get a glimpse in the mirror, and I'd be like, Tammy Lisa, she's always been she's with coming me. back. She's coming back. Like after my, I'm like well, filing actually, divorce papers. You put a stage show together, uh, partly ba- predicated on that. I did. Dual- I did cash in duality. on duality. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it's good stuff. The show is sort of about the, these dueling identities of, of and how it's sort of Tammy Lisa is always looming. Tell me, baby, one more time. Don't let me sit all alone and cry when it's over. I know, but I can't let go. Uh, but so anyway, let's get back to where you grew up. Which, Indianapolis. You I grew up in Indianapolis. Um, so I was going for adoption. My That's mom, in Indiana, I, I believe. Yeah, it is, I'm, yes. I know big my city. Um, the big city of Indiana. Um, uh, it's yeah, it's in Indiana. So I grew up in the Midwest, which is, you know, Leo loves it now. My kid loves going back because he's like everyone's so friendly. Oh, you Even do the go homeless back. people are so polite. Yeah, yeah, because I have all my families there. Oh, great. And as a sing, I mean, I don't. I'm not saying that I'm you know partial to him, but um, I don't want to be that vulnerable. Did you have siblings? I did. I grew up with two older sisters. Wow. And now I have like half brothers and sisters who are, you know, who I, I visit, even though they're like, sit on that couch if you would. That's good. Like, we're not super. <laughs> not real I mean, tight. we are. I, I, I shouldn't say that. There's, you know, there's a, a adopted thing. But yeah, so I go back and forth. I grew up there. It was very like suburban and very, um, you know, backyard, front yard, that kind of stuff. I don't mean to throw my wealth at you, but um, wow. grew up really, you know. Didn't you? Didn't you have a backyard and a front yard? Uh, we just had a side yard. That's it. See, but that's how, that's what my son is growing up with. We have a little, we have a little stretch of, I'm sure that's not true. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in New York City. I'm in a New York state of mind. No, you didn't. Okay, I grew up in Bend, Oregon. I'm in a Bend, Oregon, not too far from Prineville, state of mind. Did you really grow up in Bend, yeah, Oregon? Yeah, Berg in Central Oregon. Yeah, that's where oh, I grew God, up. you're so bummed out about it. It was, um, uh, it was about uh, 10,000, 12,000 people when I was a kid, and now it's well over 100,000. It's just exploding here. Oh, that's because of that highway. No, um, that the, the, the steel company. But yeah, I, they, I go by put, Bend, Oregon, I'm just drive to Seattle, right? Yeah, they put that gas station in, and man, it just, uh, population <laughs> exploded. It was, it was like, the grocery store's here. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, because Leo had, my kid is growing up with, a, with just a little tiny side, like, there's a piece of concrete next to, you know, my, our apartment building, and, and until he turned about nine, I was always like, go in the backyard. And he would just go like on the concrete and he can only just bounce a ball. He can't really do much more in that space. Yeah. And I had him convinced that was his yard. Um, but like front yard, backyard, that seems like the, that just seems so, especially now, you know, I don't know when this is going to air. Do you, do you, are you thinking this is like going to be in like five years from now? I'm not, I don't think this ever will air. So I, you know, I was just keeping up. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just dominating your time with, and I have no plans (laughs) to do anything with it. Uh, Actually. Um, so, so you grew up in Indianapolis, yeah. went, went all the way through high school there? I did. Yeah. I went all the way through. I was there until I was 18. And then I was, I, I never was um, a pro Indianapolis person. No offense to those who are there. Not in um, favor of Indianapolis. If you are traveling from Terre Haute to Muncie, ask any farm boy, just watch it once. He'll point down the road to the shimmering lights of Indianapolis. What's the second verse? <laughs> 
Not in favor, though my dad was a big person in the city and stuff. I mean, very, I'm a big, no, it sounds No, why was that? Why, why did braggy. you just know? And that, this is not, not for me. How, I was, um, I think uh, David Letterman was from Indianapolis. Yeah. Yes, people were always throwing that. And I do love, now I appreciate that. And also Kurt Vonnegut, he's from there. Right, um, right. Uh, James Dean, not from Indianapolis, but Indiana. Um, white supremacy, I believe that began there. That's it's the birthplace. KKK. Yes. So, you know, so many things. And the racetrack. At Indianapolis, disaster struck on the third turn of the very first lap when Ed Elysian skidded while trying to grab the lead. He touched off a 12-car jam-up. But to me, it was because there was no, there wasn't like Andy Warhol's factory, wasn't there? Like there was right. no uh, weirdness. It wasn't, I wanted something where it seemed cool. Like there was like one coffee shop, you know, that you could, I don't know, go smoke closed cigarettes and drink coffee. I wanted that yeah. kind of scene, yeah. right? I just wanted something real, like I wanted something different and more interesting. Everybody seems so, everybody tucked in their shirts, which I found yeah. very yeah. confined. Yeah. Like, and like and probably tucked them in, but their belt is like up to the clavicle. Yeah, yes, that's you just described my uncle Chet. <laughs> yeah, like his belt, like right under the chin. How how soon yeah, did exactly. you realize? Were you like in the third grade and you said, "I'm out of here"? I mean, when when I maybe being adopted kind of makes you a little bit of sort of you're, you're always like, "Hello, I'm a visitor. Hello, just visiting." Like you always feel maybe that's it. I I mean, I'm I'm sure psychologically there's that kind of makeup to adopted folks, especially of my yeah. era where they weren't sort of like, you know, I wasn't, my birth parents weren't at my Thanksgiving dinner or something. It wasn't like, I've always known it's adopted. <laughs> um, it's a, so there's something about the, the outsiderness of it all that, yeah. that sort of maybe, and I was, I was into theater, like I, as of third, third oh, grade that's on, where I was getting to. So, did you just yeah. say, what, what do you, can you remember a moment when you said, I want to do that? I think it's, it's similar to the moment when my kid was like maybe one and a half and I took him to the library and they had like reading time or something at the library. And I was like, ugh. anyway, but it would go to the library. I'm not, I'm not against reading, by the way. I don't want to come You're out like reading? that. Cause yeah, I'm pro reading. It's just really, and I'm anti-smoking, which has been really See, scary I'm for just, me to admit. I'm just so opposite from you. And I don't mean to make this about myself, but I encourage young people <laughs> to watch more television. I see kids with their noses in books and uh, literary yeah, magazines and things and i think man don't go yeah. down that road that's what i did and look where i am <laughs> that's true it's scary what's happening in america well more you can't even make that joke no. anymore because now it is um but i in the library i just remember there was a moment where they go the the reader lady was like come to the front and he, the kids can all sit in the front and so the kids come sit to the front and then Leo um, had a moment of when he was, I just had a second where he like turned around and he noticed there were people behind him, like all the adults that were watching mm -hmm. the kids reading and he, he saw them and then he turned and then people started kind of tittering, laughing. And then he was like, oh, and I, this moment of, and then he turned his back to the woman who was trying to like, you know, re read with the others and he's only facing the audience and loving it. Oh, and then great. you had to force him. He's not that way. Well, maybe a little bit, but at that moment, I was like, oh, I recognize that. I know that moment where you're like, what? Well, it's a, it's a real, it's a, it's the drug of attention yeah. is just so wonderful. Yeah. And that people are responding to you. It was so that I, I, there was, once I had a hit of that, like in, I played Snoopy in third grade and uh, that was it. You know, once you do Snoopy. Who are your heroes uh, since you decided you wanted to be in theater at some point? How early on did you admire 
people. Can you remember who said that's that person's cool? That one's a, a bust. I think that's always been a problem of mine is that I don't give enough respect to my. I've never done the mm-hmm. like. This one goes out to like Stevie Wonder. He's you know. In fact, I've had many people who have terrible ha- actor by the way. Actor. <laughs> That's true. He does. He ignores the damn cue cards. Music is a world within itself. With a language we all understand. Hey, why isn't Stevie Wonder a bigger deal, by the way? I, I know. He's, he's been greatest. so. I, well, you know what? It's only a few people that can see yeah. it. You know, someone like you, who's a real connoisseur, um, understands it. Yes. Everybody else, he's just violent. He's always been violent. Yeah. Uh, he's he's fantastic. I don't. <laughs> you have to say it after. Hey, by the way, real talent. <laughs> really has some talent. He really is coming along. Um, yeah, he's. Yeah, if he just sticks with it, yeah, like everybody, yeah. you know, just give it your all. Did you want? Did you want to be in funny plays? Did you? Were you dramatic? I mean, or just the entire entirety of the act? I wanted. To, I wanted whatever was going on. First, it was like whatever you're selling. Um, mm. you know, what what gets me up on stage, I'll do it. And then, uh, within reason, you know, I'd seen a few after school specials. I knew you, you weren't in the four, uh, third grade production of Hair, were you? No. <laughs> but if they would have asked. Um, I, I, you know, I had a, a turning point with all of that when I got to be in high school, actually, where I had always, they're always putting, I mean, kids theater stuff is always musical theater or right. comedy stuff. Yeah. It's never, you know, they're not sort of like, you know, night mother, you know, like you're they're not going to do death of a salesman. Exactly. They don't tend to, but I wanted to, I was, I was tired of always being in comedy stuff. Like I want a chance to feel mm-hmm. more. Like I felt like I wasn't allowed to, uh, to be. Uh, as intense as I wanted to be or get right. my, you know, I wanted more truth in my blue. And then I saw Whoopi Goldberg do that HBO yeah. special where she was um, on, uh, where she was on Broadway and she was doing mon- character monologue. I know you don't think I was born a junkie. <laughs> now I have an education. I got a PhD I can't do shit with, you know? So I stay high so I don't get mad. <laughs> so and they were funny because yeah. I remember seeing like Jack Klugman in the, in the audience laughing. And I was like, oh, look, there's, um, who did he play? He was, Jack Klugman played that, Quincy. Yeah, and the odd couple. Right, odd couple. There's, I knew him from yeah. Quincy because I was like, that in Rock, Rockford Files, I was like, father figure, kind of <laughs> sexual. Um, and I, uh, he was laughing at, and then the next minute, you know, Whoopi's talking about like abortions, you know, and, so, and then, then the audience was like, whoa. And that was exactly what I wanted yeah. to do. I was like, yeah. that is it. You know, to tell real right. things. And then um, that's that's my, she was always kind of a, a hero. Well, real life is not comedy 24 hours. I mean, our lives are textured with all, all kinds of serious stuff. And so- You say that, but you don't no, believe don't that, Pat. It's all, it's all funny <laughs> games. Yeah, you caught, you caught But it's me. why I always, I would have <laughs> busted. I'm a truth teller. What can I say? I just go right to it. But that was always why I had, people would put me in comedy, like pure comedy. And I never quite did well in that. Like I would be okay. Like I could get by, but I would never, um, I would always, I don't know, undermine myself a bit. Like I wasn't that fantastic at my, well, but I guess chronologically, we're going through my whole life, right? That's what I'm just just interested in how you became who you are. I love Uh, Did you, were you cast as, were you like um, in the, in the school play, did you do like the nativity, a Christmas play? Were you Mary or were you... Yeah. No, no. I was always, if there was an old lady, I was really? like the old yeah. lady and um, anything like the reason I was Snoopy is because it was just like act, act mm-hmm. a fool, like just get up there and dance around when they're, mm-hmm. that's me. And so if it was, 
any comedy, I would get the lead, but nothing where anybody, any other character liked me. <laughs> Were you? I mean, they like Snoopy, but I was always a um, charactery, and uh, and I started writing my own stuff too. But it was when I was in high really? school. Yeah, like doing monologues about like being the youngest member of Weight Watchers. And did stuff you like do that. those during assemblies or something, or did you just write them by yourself and not perform? Them? I did them for. I had a theater class. Oh, you did like a theater class yeah. where they were, Yeah, we got to do like monologues, but I loved that kind of. So stuff. when you, but never never cast as like Mary, like, no, no, no. I would be like the donkey who had like, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, I was a cow in our nativity scene. I think I was a Jersey, so I could do an accent. Did you? Um, <laughs> that sticks with did somebody. You, what was the name of your high school? North Central High School. Mm, that's that's glamorous. Yeah. Right? I know. It was, it was, it was like a thousand kids in the class. Yeah. In, in the, yeah. That's a big class. Uh, we had like 300 in here, but of course, you know, we're, Pony Express still operates here. Do you mean Bend or Bend. where you are? Yeah, Bend. Oh, Bend. Yeah, three hundred in the whole school or just your in, class? In, a, in the class, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Of so which uh, I think so about proud. nine are still living. So, uh, and Shut I'm not feeling that door. good myself. So, <laughs> get through this because I would feel horrible. I don't need more traumas this week. Can you imagine? Like I did Pat's uh, a podcast. He died. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of something more serious, uh, I hope I'm not telling stories out of school here, but you just got through a bout of COVID. Did you not? Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. You know, and people keep going, I don't want to, you know, you don't have to share. And I didn't realize we weren't supposed to share. There's always oh, a problem not? of mine. Oh. Well, no, people are like, you don't, I know, who knows, you don't want to be. And I was telling, I was getting deliveries from Instacart and I was yelling, you know, like, stay yeah. back, COVID home, COVID <laughs> home, sing on the door. You're like Ben Hur's leper mother. Think, Judah, think. It will tear them apart if they see you. And I felt really like, I also, I think because I was blaming somebody else for getting it, so that made it easier, which is ridiculous. Could it get anywhere? I mean, at this yeah. point in California, it's, you know, yeah. it's everywhere. Is, I, I read but, one in okay. 10, I think, at the time we're taping I know. this. I know, yeah. but I still don't know. I know a couple people that have it, but we are, yeah, we had it for the month. My son and I had it the month of December. You feeling okay much. now? Um, I'm, well, I'm, I can't, you know, I'm in a wheelchair. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> But that was my that was my choice, right? Yeah, that's just only because oh my god, I'm telling you, it's a small apartment, but but I'm like, oh, I'm so tired of going to get another water glass. Um, I uh, no, I feel I feel fine, I feel good, but I um, I, I it was it was hard to shake. Like it was this thing where I was done with it, and it was like, good, the fever's over, the aches and stuff, and then I couldn't get my energy back. And then that's depressing. So then it became not a physical thing, but it yeah. was mental and physical. And that combination, who needs that shit this year? Yeah. With and a single mother. Like I just was al like alone and feeling bad. And I was like, okay, I've got to shake this. I got to have to get out of this apartment. This is awful. Like what if I'm the one that, and the mental thing of like, what if I'm that one who gets the, who doesn't go. Uh, yeah. That's why I don't read the news. Yeah. Just, unless you need yeah to. It's not when you're in the news, you don't want to read it. For exactly. Sure. Except, but I'm fine now. And I think it's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. What would I say? Yeah. Oh man. I'm sorry. I was hoping you wouldn't recover. Yes. <laughs> it would make for drama, right? Yeah. Like, and afterwards she was really, it was horrible. She hey. said she was fine. <laughs> so you get out of high school. Did you go to college? I did. Wow. Did my mother tell you to bring that up? Uh, um, she said so I, she actually said not to bring it up, but yeah, exactly. you know, I'm a rebel. Just, <laughs> that's always what I've thought of you. There goes Pat. He's quiet. He's rebellious. Um, I did go to college. I went to theater school in Chicago for one year, and then I went to a went to IU for film for a year, Indiana University, and then I went to 
Holland to the Netherlands thinking oh. I was just going to go for the summer. But then I end up staying in because um, it felt like once I was over there it, and my parents were encouraging it too. They're like, stay <laughs> like it's a good it, it's fine. We'll be fine for without you. And it seemed like a good thing to do to be in Europe for a bit. But why Holland? Because I had a Dutch boyfriend. And he worked in a paint store. So that seemed the way to go. Yeah. Um, I would have Didn't rather. Those wooden shoes clacking all the time drive you nuts though? No, not really. You get used to it. Oh, and do. also it's so great for gardening. You just hose them off and stuff <laughs> like that. So there's real, real perks to it. Sorry for the offensive lyrics. So you're in Holland. Wow. I never knew yes, that. Yes, and I, yeah, for like five, I always thought it's why why John Keister liked me. It was just like, oh, Holland, she must be up for anything. Pretty exotic, yeah. <laughs> she traveler. must be a heroin-addicted, pot-smoking prostitute. How fun to bring in the mix. Well, I'm, but I was, I was thinking about the fact that when I was in Holland, I was like 20 to 25, you'd meet these old, old Dutch folks who were so tolerant about like the pot smoking and yeah. the um, very, a lot of sex trade stuff and right. it's kind of in your right. face. But the way they would always describe it is like, once you've lived through World War II, that much intolerance, mm -hmm. even if you don't like it, you know that you, the way to go is tolerance. Like it's that simple. Like you can't start judging other people and thinking you're better than, you've got to just go up. Well, what are you going to do? Like, I just don't want to go down the, you know, hate to get all. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that that's one of the things that didn't seem to get imported to this country lately. But, no, but yeah. that was, I had that flash of like, wow, that was sort of nice to see old people like, yeah, I don't like pot smoking, but people are going to do it. So, yeah. um, and I didn't, I was a nervous, like I was such a, I realized what an American prude I were. Um, what's the word for it? It's not Protestant when we're the Americans that are, we're very um, foreign when it's in our, it's what? I, I don't English? know. How about puritanical? There, yeah, puritanical. I, I was. One. I'm a puritan. Good lord. Yeah, totally. It was like it was an easy. I don't want to embarrass yeah, you. That's okay. Um, but yeah. Anyway, but I felt very. Puritanical Actually, I'm a pilgrim, but similar. <laughs> so uh, you're over there. This is a stupid thing to say, and you can tell now that I have no prepared questions. I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm really thrown that you're a pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. But pilgrim, you caused a lot of trouble this morning. Might have got somebody killed, and somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. But I won't. I won't. The hell I will. That's not been easy, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We, we, leave, we leave this country, that country over there, so we can come a, and have some religious liberty, and then then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, it, here. I also feel dumb that I didn't know, considering your overcoat and your hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a giveaway, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. So go ahead. You're, you're. Hey, by the way, uh, I have a musket. I'm going to show you a little bit later. That's. I got one to show you too. Okay, buddy. Um. Oh, I. I this is a way. This is doesn't have anything to do with anything. Good. But it's kind of Good. curious to me. Your name, after all, is Weed Man, and yeah. mine well, is I'm Cash a... Man. So I did a little research. <laughs> I did a little research on this, and Cash Man. Most names, or many names, uh, you know, Anglican names have some sort of precedent uh, a, a guy named uh, i don't know cooper it turns out his family were barrel makers for example or baker they were bakers right um, right <laughs> did you ever dig into the derivation of weedman derivation nice thank you um i first of all, i am hit by the now that i'm sort of seeing our name side by side weed man we're the only man. mans i think in the I, in the cast have you ever met that funny briefer man have you ever met that funny briefer man 
Oh, wait a minute, Nancy Guppyman. I forgot about her. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have, Keisterman, um, if you would have, if you see my life and your life, you'd think that there was a, that we do carry something in our DNA. There's something about the, where I'm living that does have kind of a weed man feel, and I'm sure you have like a basement or something that makes you think, ooh, cash. It says on um, the internet that Weedman is not your real name. Is, that it's Huntington. Can you clear this up for that's us? My, well, that's my middle name, but oh. none of that is, I mean, that's what I was adopted to the Weedmans, into the Weedman family. Oh, okay. All right. I'm from, like, my, my, my blood is McQuillan, sort of Irishy, Scottishy, you know, just yeah. whitey white, boring. Um, but the, the Weedman thing has been, I, I don't know exactly where it's from. I do know that it's growing up, people are like, your dad worked for Camelon. Like, yeah. Yeah. like and that was, hey, that's a good now, one. <laughs> hey, I'm going to jump uh, ahead to the things you're doing more recently in, in out of, uh, in, out of uh, order here, because I want to end with all your almost live experience and what you thought about that and all of that. Nice. But let's talk about uh, all the amazing stuff you have done in your career. Um, and, uh, I just was looking at the, uh, the list of your credits. My goodness sakes, you're a busy woman. Yeah. Super busy yet. So poor. It's but weird. I think one of the most intriguing things, we'll talk about the other stuff too, but one of the more intriguing things since you came from almost live, uh, was that you spent a year on the daily show with Jon Stewart. That's true. I did. And I heard from you, and maybe it was maybe it was secondhand that you didn't really enjoy it that much, at least at the time you were doing it. Would that be true? Yes, I was stressed out. Yes, it was. It was. I didn't know how to handle any any of the. Well, first of all, and I know we're doing the almost live thing, and at the end, I don't want to, you know, destroy the rhythm of this of your sculpture here you're creating no you can we can talk about that now if you'd rather um no but i i got that job i wouldn't have had I, daily show came from almost live tape like from from segments i had done on almost live they they cast me out of um my reel you know i talked and, to joel McHale on one of these other podcasts and he claimed that the tape that he had didn't do him any good in Hollywood. He said, I still wound up, you have to do auditions. You have to, you got to get at the back sure. of the line and the tape didn't yeah. help him, but it helped you get that job. Well, but look at where we are now. So maybe the tape hurt me now that I'm thinking about it. Mm. Like maybe I shouldn't have done that. Cause look at him. He's the, anyway, he's, um, he's washed up I, by I, the way. Yeah. Oh, totally. I was yeah. going to oh, thank God you said it first. Cause I'm always the first one to say it. Yeah. It makes it look like I don't like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll let it this part like, out anyway. So go ahead. Oh, good, good, because because I know he listens to it, and I don't want him to be hurt. Yeah, um, uh, he he heard that. <laughs> that was almost too edgy. Um, so uh, or uh, yes, almost live. No, Daily Show. Daily Show was fantastic, and I look at it now as what a freaking opportunity! How incredible! Blah blah blah. Yeah. But I was not. Most of the people who got correspondent jobs came up through the improv comedy world. It's like they were all from Upright Citizens Brigade, or they're all trained in a certain comedic improv world yeah and i was through theater and they and the person who saw me and helped sort of hook me up with it saw me do a solo show but at ucb saw me do a show there and he was like oh you should they're looking for correspondence they need women they, they, they're not very they never have women they like is what they were saying to me at the mm -hmm. time which is fun for all the women who've tried to be yeah, on it pretty and who true are on it now. pretty true at um, the time yeah yeah and he was like it's not an easy role they're really it's and and so then he wanted to be a producer on the show. He wanted to get a job as a producer. He goes, why don't we do a segment? I'll, I'll shoot it and, and direct it and stuff. No, wait a minute. And who who we'll, he? He's we'll, this guy who was next door neighbors with the executive producer oh, of The Daily okay. Show. All right. Um, his name was Josh. And um, Oh, yeah, uh, I know he, him. You know Josh, of course. Yeah. He's amazing. He's, um, he's a synonym now, for a kid around. Yeah. 
Right. Total Josh, get around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many so Josh. Was it that there. easy? You just he just get ran. It was your easy for me. Like it was a weird I think there were it was a sweet spot where they were looking for women. It was they this guy and I was resistant about so much of the process and I didn't know the show. I knew it was popular and I liked what it was about. Mm. I liked that it was a smart political show, but I'd never watched it. I really? just love it. Oh, that's great. Yes. And so I think all of that. And then when I went in, they I remember watching my my I had to sit and watch my reel with the executive producer and then John stuck his head in and there were stuff from all from almost live. And it was um and I kind of did like a reportery character at one point on the reel. I did this like uh the review, I, I was a movie reviewer. Like I did a journalist like reviewing the top and I was reviewing a really scary movie. And by the end of the review, I get freaked out remembering it and I can't finish it because I'm so distraught. The movie began with the most quintessential of urban legends, the man in the back seat. An unsuspecting young driver pulls away from a gas station, believing she's alone in the car, but she's not. The stuttering gas station attendant had attempted to warn her of her uninvited passenger but she didn't listen. So as she's driving along this dark, deserted highway back to the safety of her sorority, she was completely oblivious to the fact that there was someone in the car with her <laughs> with an axe who was waiting to kill her like an animal. So just when she thought she was safe, she wasn't safe. It was like a nightmare because he was there and then there was like a stuttering bloody head on the summit and then she thought, so that was the bit and that is what they i think that's what really sold them on the idea that i could do the the correspondent thing so then how did it go i had a good experience on the on the daily show with certain people like i found my people but the, all throughout the year i was on it it was an ongoing thing of like john doesn't you freak john out John doesn't know how to, you're too, um, you're treating him like a peer. You got to ease in with these things. Like you're walking in, you're, you're acting like you can talk. And I'm so used to not being great with hierarchies. Like I really was like, I talk to anybody and feel like, and as soon as somebody was like, shh, here comes the CEO. I was like, oh, I'll meet him halfway. I'll, I'll talk to him in the hallway. Like, and I, it's some weird game that I'm doing to, yeah. to show that I'm, I don't know, not scared of people or that I can handle this. And it's, it's too aggressive. I didn't know how to deal with a king. And now I do. Like now yeah. I know you go in an environment. Here comes Eddie Murphy. You just you're quiet until he talks to you, you know. And and might as well. Why, why cause trouble? But yeah. at the time, I just was I was young and I was trying to prove myself. I think and be myself. And all the all the crew liked me, <laughs> which was an you know, ongoing if, thing. If you win the crew over, you got a you you you've gone a long. Yeah, but you don't have a job. Is the only problem. Like you have I respect, know, but... but you don't. Like I even signed up for softball with the crew. Like I signed up for there's different teams you know on the and i had an on-camera person come up to me i won't name his name but mo rocket came up and he was like don't on camera we don't sign up for we don't play softball with the crew like there's there's this like you know in hollywood now there's above the line and below the line i think supposed to i think mo rock has, has a short stop am i right yeah <laughs> that's what he'd say i mean sitting here i can't help but fantasize what if i had wings and could fly above the traffic. So yeah, I just was that whole different hierarchy of things was really. So did you hard feel angst and stress the whole time you were there, or did you ever feel? I think so. It's like I was just telling somebody recently about because I'd like gained like fifteen pounds over this last year or something, and I go, I have not gained this much weight, and now it's cut my age and what's going on in the world and all. But since I was on the Daily Show, that much stress. Hmm. And that was like 9-11 had happened. 9-11 happened right That's when right. I got you, on the show. You were on in 2001, 2002, right? Yes, yeah. yes. 
But there were also good things. Like I look at some segments and I, it, when people say they know me from it, I will, and they, they're positive. They're always like, oh, the, I remember from the Daily Show. I'm always like, okay, I know it was not my like greatest thing. And they're like, oh, I liked it. Mm. You know, and then I'm insulting them. I'm like, well, you don't know any better. So our own Lauren Weedman put together a very special look at why this city is still the greatest on earth. New York City. You may feel you're at big risk visiting here these days. Well, you are at risk of having a wonderfully good time. How about a thrill ride in what New Yorkers call the love tunnel? Do I smell fresh baked cookies? Getting hungry yet? Indulge in international gourmet cuisine from all over the world. Or just pick up one of the city's world famous health bones and lick it. Mmm, minty fresh. Take a tour of beautiful Washington Square Park on the back of star of stage and screen, Paul Rudd. No fatties. Faster, Paul Rudd, faster. And that's just a taste of what New York City has to offer. I love this city. But you didn't feel good about it? I guess it depends on what you're doing, what kind of work it is. Like if somebody's giving me notes on like, I don't know, like I'm trying to think, you know, how I do my taxes, I'll take it. I don't take it personally. But when it comes to like my, with like work, work, yeah, there's always this vulnerability to being funny or putting yourself out there. That's hard to get. Um, yeah. That's hard to, hard to yeah. feel like I'm always hard on myself and I have learned to let people have their own experience of, especially because I was also on Arrested Development for a while. Yeah, I remember that. Um, which was great. It was a fun experience, but I immediately, so, oh no, this is, this, oh my God, now I'm really just like, I'm, like I keep, I'll be listing all the things I've been on just to brag about oh, it. Please was do. Was it that show? No, no, it was the other, but it was just um, the Kaminsky method. That oh, you were in that. Yeah. With, um, yeah, I'm in one scene. I have maybe three lines. This is, okay, what I'm doing right now is what I do to people who go, hey, I saw like my kid, I was at, at school performance of his and this woman turns around. She's like, oh, I just, I just saw you. I saw you. Um, congratulations. And I was like, congratulations. And, and I first like, did I, did she hear about something? Did I get a job? And they told her first. Like, it's the only thing I can think of is congratulations that I just got a job. Yeah. And she, I was going, you, what you, and she goes, um, about the Kaminsky method. I saw you. And she was so excited that she saw me on it. And I'm like, the Kaminsky method. And then I proceed to destroy everything. I go, oh my God, I, I had three lines. Um, Michael Douglas was in a really bad mood. He did not feel well, I don't think, that day. It was not fun. Um, I was embarrassed because like the, the the prop guy came over and was like, knew me from another show and was sort of surprised that I was on this show having three lines. Like, oh, I wish you were doing more. My husband and I love you. Bye. And that was it. And I was feeling so embarrassed by that. I felt like a day player. And that I wasn't ever going to get back to getting more work. And that I was suddenly, I'd gone up, but now I was going back down and having these. I know. So, Why did we do and that? I just, yeah. I destroyed her experience. So people are like, I saw you on it. It's so fun. I was so fun to see you. And I'm like, oh, really fun for you. Well, guess what? My kid needs food. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a crazy business, but you, 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 you love it. And I was just thinking that, that when you, <laughs> when you do your own material, um, I mean, I think when you do somebody else's play, for example, you're a character in a play. Isn't there a certain kind of safety in that? I'm just reading somebody else's lines. It's, it's not that stressful. I, I know how to do this. But doing no. your own stuff, revealing your own self. Way better. That's, that's, that's we're confidence. Different. So it, do, it runs against what you just said, because you have to be I don't know if it's confident to do that. If you do what you know, 
In fact, somebody was just saying that about about art stuff. They're like, the people when you act like something's easy, it's not a risk because you feel like that's to me the easy thing is to be well improv. Like when I have when I go in and I'm not allowed to improv and I have to memorize every word that the writer has written, that's very stressful to me and that's hard because I want to bring this. I, I get so it's annoying. I'm aware of it. Hated me first. I'm always the first one there. Um, that. I want it to be truthful a bit. Like I want it mm -hmm. to feel real. And so other, that's not necessarily my job. Sometimes it just, just tell the story, help this person, mm -hmm. help the writer, yep. this production, tell their story. And I am over So if I'm not allowed to make it somehow mine, then I'm miserable. Yeah. And I'm not in plays that other people write. It's been really, it's been a long time. I'm always on my own. So I can... Do you ever win those battles? Do you say, you know what? I think, saying it this way would be better or do they no i don't even try don't I'm do not that that but you used no to, right? no no i don't think i what i would do is just be bitter about it and then talk to my friends afterwards like i would if somebody wants it a certain way i'm not going to go well you're wrong. like i just worked with this guy the big guy from um brad garrett oh okay, yeah you know right. the everybody loves raymond guy right and, and the emmy goes to brad garrett thank you so much he was <laughs> i don't know am i being so like oh behind the scenes kathy yeah. griffin says um yeah let's start dishing told, this is very dishy a little bit but he was complaining to a writer on this show about like come on nobody says it like this no, no. and i remember thinking wow that's exactly what i was thinking like it's worded weirdly and this is not but he just says it now because he knows he's the the king on the pile right he knows he's the and I do look forward to being, I think as I get older, I'll get more yeah, yeah. Um, awful to work with. Yeah, and he's a guy. To be more and honest. he's also a guy. And that. You, yes, you and he's out. also nine feet tall. Yeah, he is really tall. <laughs> so um, let's back up a, a, again. You were on a, a really great show called Hung, H-U-N-G on HBO. You played yes, the part of. Favorite of John Keister's, yes. You played the part of Horny Patty. The proofreader. Yeah. She's the horniest woman I've ever met. Doing it right there at her desk. No, she was not. Lenore, she was concentrating. Yes. And see, if yes, I was indeed. you, I would have said, I kind of prefer it be more uh, alliterative. May I suggest horny Hortense is a possibility. <laughs> Hortense, nothing says um, lady chronic chronically masturbating at her desk yeah. than horny Hortense actually. Talk about corny jokes. My dad used to say that all the time. What? Is that Hortense? No, she's just nervous. <laughs> he did it all the time, even in church. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, wow. That, that's it is. Just, it's such I, a dad joke. I also feel like I just read your journal. It was very personal. Um, but um, Hung, can I, one quick departure. I had yeah. a friend, a uh, Vietnamese guy that I worked with. His name was Hung. His, yeah, his name yeah. was Hung. And we would go to uh, we would go out for lunch quite frequently and we usually go to fast food places because we were po. And, uh, and so he would get enormous amusement out of, we'd order and then we'd sit back and then they'll announce order for cashman, you know, and they would go order for hung, hung order. And then he'd walk up and he wouldn't take his food. He'd just stand there until they finally said, are you hung? And he said, yes, but that's not the point. I'm here to get my order. <laughs> He did it all the time. It just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> well, there's, that's it. Wow. You don't have friends like that anymore, I bet. No, I don't have any friends. So no, the show hung. You were horny Patty. Uh, yes, I was. Tell us, uh, that, that was kind of like your first big show besides The Daily Show, right? I mean. Yeah, it was the first one where is, there's all these different 
you know, working levels, right, as an actor, and they, they'll say, like, you have an audition, it's for a guest star, or she's reoccurring, or you're a series regular, and the, what you want is a series regular, that means right. you're, you know, you've got a contract, you're going to be on the show, you get paid way more, and, you know, you eventually get to do things like bleach your teeth, because you've been making money, like, it's whatever, the things that actors do when they're on a show a long time, and then for Hung was the first time I was on a show that I was a, I was a, a reoccurring, which meant I was going to show up more than once mm-hmm. and be in like three or four different episodes. And I was going to have a storyline and I was, you know, be a character that people referred to and stuff. And it was, and, and of course it was of all the things to sort of break out. It's like, I'm, it's a horny Patty. That was your Fonzie. And, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, bless old Henry Winkler. Um, yeah. He's great. I, yeah, he is so great. He's so like, we're all full of magic. Um, except for you. <laughs> uh, he would never say except for you. I think I would, but so, yes, yeah, so it was, a, it, and it was um, uh, the only thing is it's, I've come to find, and this is not a reflection on you in any way, but I, it, as the sh- as years go on, if somebody knows me from that show, if that's the show, they're like big fan of Hey, you were on, if I get an email or somebody shouts out from the street, horny Patty, I always know to like, thanks for the heads up. And I just steer away. Do they still um, do that? It does happen where people are like, I just want you to know, I really, I appreciate your work on Horny Patty. You're really great. I went to SeaWorld um, in Florida last month by myself. It was a lot of fun. I had a free weekend, you know, so I treated myself. I flew JetBlue. That's, uh, sounds nice. No, it doesn't. It sounds pathetic and lame, but that's, you know, that's what I like. I like zoos and SeaWorld. And if they're, if it's a looking fan, then I know they're just like a harmless, fun gay boy that wants to come say hi. So you guys thought you were going to have your little sausage party without me? Well, you were working. I was working. I was. And then everybody died. Lynn's liquor cabinet? Fantastic. Jesus. Fantastic. Oh, no. oh, come on. Here, I'll hold it for you. Are you so, I, I think that Dame Gladioli of the Castro can afford to buy more booze, all right? How did you even get in? Um, Augustine left his door open. I kind of mm. I threw in like Peter okay. Pan. How do you even know it was my door? Because it smelled like misery. It was a great show. I loved the whole premise. And of you were great. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's not something my, I mean, my kid was like, you know, he had that moment on the, the playground where he was like, thought another kid told him like, your mother did pornography. So that was cool. Maybe for, maybe for a different podcast to talk about. Yeah, that is actually the next series I'm going to be doing. Uh, and I'm really worried about the John Keister episode of the pornography podcast. But <laughs> so talk about that later. Now, am I wrong or right? It was either hung or looking that was um, the first episode of which was directed by Alexander Payne. Am I right? Oh yeah, yeah. And but I was I wasn't just thinking the one about that because uh, that would be a Bob connection Nelson. with Bob Nelson. Yes, Alexander yes. Payne directed Bob Nelson's Nebraska movie. Yes, God, I love that movie. I love yeah. Alexander Payne. That was. I never worked with Alexander Payne, but and in, in, you know, in the back of your back of your mind, I don't know why that's a weird saying. Um, in the middle of my mind, I like to think of that he when I was auditioning for Hung, I was like Alexander Payne, maybe he's going to see this, which is not really how it works. I right. think that yeah. you know he's yes. working on other stuff. Um, but no, I wasn't directed by him, but he was involved. I also I just was in an episode that was directed of the show on um, this is last year actually um, called Tales from the Loop. Everyone is connected to the loop one way or another we had an episode directed by jody foster oh and when i got the sheet of our you know our call sheet and it i didn't they didn't tell us ahead of time and i was like are you kidding front 
So I didn't, you know, so she placed me. That was about, she was like, you sit here, but that was it. Um, but exciting. What, and then we'll talk about some of the other stuff you've done. Then we'll get to get to almost five, I promise. But what, what was the, what, I love to know, and, and nobody listens to this podcast, so don't worry about it. But who, I always love, I love stories about people uh, that we all know that are celebrities, they're directors, yes. actors, whatever, that were, are just jerks. Yes. Just a-holes. Think um, can you think of one? Um, I'm trying to think of, well, I've, I've seen people be a-holes to other people. Like I've seen yeah. people destroy, like uh, Eddie Murphy was awful to people when I was working. Mm. This is a long time ago though. I'm sure he's, you know, he's old now. So he's probably much more grateful. It was during the time, I did a movie where it was during a time period where he was doing like Dr. Doodles, Doodle 17. Like he was in everything and he was just doing, yeah, movies, and doing movies and doing yeah. movies. And this was another one of them. You could tell he didn't give a shit about the movie. And he right. would yell at the director who was a first time director of a feature. Right. So the director's nervous and he's got all these big names. And then he would it, actually Michael Douglas did the same thing. There's a thing about being called to set and saying you're ready to go. And then they're not ready. And then you have to wait. And that just happens. And I didn't ever I don't even know. I mean, nobody loves it. It's like yelling at the stoplight or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I've got to go. Like, why? It's like it's just a thing you can't control. These are just elements of filmmaking or TV. Mm -hmm. And to see them take out their um, on, on somebody lower than them in their mind, like to say, like the beat on the guy next to you, you know, like take out their frustrations or whatever. Like I did see Eddie do that, but he was nice to me. So <laughs> but, that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Where I was, I didn't defend him or anything, but mostly it was just, and I became the person that he would yell at somebody and then come over to me and then start telling me stories about like, you know, you know, getting in a hot tub with Yul Brenner. And about like how he met Sammy Davis Jr. Like he was a real storyteller, and I would just sit there and uh, listen. Getting in a hot tub with Yul Brenner. Yes, like is it Yul Brenner? Is apparently Yul Brenner and his wife like liked Eddie when Eddie was younger, and were like inviting him over to have it, like well, invite him sure, over, yeah. yeah, to um, check out the hot tub. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, very again, it's very modern day keister, really. But I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um. He keeps coming up. I know he does. Does it? Well, you know that common bond that we have. Uh, or... Rob Rob Lowe tells a story about that he when he was in high school he'd been in a couple of movies already and he was in an after he just did an after school special, and he was in high school and and he really had the hots for this one girl in his class, and so he's he's uh, sort of invited her. He said, "Would you like to come?" Uh, over and see my after school special, ABC's after school special. It's going to be on Thursday. She said, yeah, but why don't you come to my house instead? We'll watch it there. Okay. So he says that, so he then he gets in his car and he finds her house in Beverly Hills and he goes to the door and the door opens and it's hello, young man. Cary Grant is standing there. Cary Grant was her dad. Wow. He said, I just about wet my pants. We go in. He was very nice to him. Oh, you will be good in that then in that after school special, young man. Very nice. But he couldn't believe it. How, how did she forget to mention that was her dad? Well, you know, it's like she's probably used yeah. to it. Um yeah. or not. There's a lot of yeah, I, I feel I feel really like there's it's I don't take it for granted anymore. Well, I don't think I ever take it for granted. I do love 
that when you go to, I love seeing who's on the call sheet, right? When I'm going to do something and I'm very enthusiastic. I've, 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 because of age and all, I don't do the thing where I act like, you know, like that I'm used to meeting somebody. I get excited mm-hmm. about meeting somebody. Um, and I'm, it's when I was doing um, uh, Arrested Development, I was in a lot of scenes where I didn't have lines, where I just had to sit, but I got to be with, it was basically like being in a documentary about that hashtag me too, is all the people that were being, <laughs> that were being, that were in trouble. Um, but then, but then watching just psychologically what every, I used to describe um, uh, rest development as like a documentary about what happens to the psyche when you've um, had fame. So you're just watching different people's egos because they all yeah. are coming together. Everybody's successful. Everybody's had their own world outside of, you know, Arrest Development. This is yeah. their last season. And they're yeah. all coming in with different things, expectations. And it's like, who's on top? Usually there's got to be somebody who's the, the alpha. And if you can't have that alpha, what happens? You know, because there's and then comedy. So people are one upping, one upping, one or they're angry. You know, there's it just was I love watching the um, the. I don't know. I like, again, I I like watching the weird shit go down and being, being able to watch it and not be a part of it and then go home and have good stories. I mean, I would never like blog about it or something. And you know, here, as you said, nobody, but it is fun. Yeah. It is fun because so little of it is actually spent on camera. You're, you're waiting around, standing around so much. Especially me. So little on camera. Paying attention (laughs) to stuff. All right. So let's, um, I'm sorry. I'm just all over the place. Sorry. Are you kidding? Like this is, and and I don't want to, I do not want to, uh, Hurt children. Give short or... shrift. Oh. Short shrift to your amazing, wonderful career, and uh, you've been on a million shows. And uh, thanks. I don't feel people have been. It was people. Will and that. Grace and all of that. Sure, but... sure. I know, and I do feel. And during COVID, I was like, I miss. Like, I want to go to craft services, and I want to overeat again. I want to just. Well, well I keep <laughs> mentioning food, but, um, and I do miss it. Yet during there's time periods where being a a guest star was a real issue. Like I really started to have issues about when you're a guest, con- like I'm willing grace. I was a guest. I was a guest and I didn't, mm-hmm. I took, I was bitter about it a bit. And now I look back going, Oh, you ungrateful. You just, they did so much for you, you know, and you're being so rude. And I would sort of have an attitude. Like when I was on mom too, like I did all these, I've had great little yeah. guest things, but it's because you sit there and I'm, you know, sort of figuring out like, okay, if I pay my insurance premium, I'll pay half now and half. And then you're sitting next to people who are like, so we're going to head, we're going to buy the third house in Ojai and we're going to go ahead. And they're talking about, did you end up getting the porch put in on yours? Who'd you use? Tell me during break. And then when you're a guest star, you're like, you know, can I park in the third parking garage? And there's no, is there any way to get me there? I'll walk. You know, it's, <laughs> there's still that Hollywood yeah, thing. Yeah. So you, you, as an adult yeah. to feel like you're on the, that you're not with the cool kids in some way, money-wise or power-wise, still was messing with me. And now yeah. I do enough on the outside, it doesn't bother me. I mean, like now I'm always happy to go do something and I'm doing, you know, writing and doing other things where I'm not, anyway, so. I I and, you, and you've done so many one-woman shows and- uh, Yeah, too many. They're, they're, they're deeply personal. Deeply. Uh, they are, and and uh, I know. I've, every takes, time I see you in the audience, I'm always like, Pat, you've got to find other people to go watch. You can't be so obsessed. Pat, wake with up, work. Pat, wake up, Pat. Pat. Yeah. <laughs> no, you'll say, Pat, you cannot sell popcorn here. Uh, you go back to the ballpark. That's where you do that. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm ashamed that I have. I just don't Who go. Who cares? Out. Yeah, I totally. Don't. I don't care if people don't. The worst thing is when people just act like they want to. Oh, I'd love to say, like, you know, you know, especially when I wrote a book. Now I'm really just Brett. When I wrote a book and people are, I hated to give them the book because then it was just this, like, oh, it's been on my meaning to read it. I'm like, don't fucking, don't, excuse me, don't read it. I don't care. <laughs> Only do it if you want to. I don't need people. Does it have pictures? Right. Like, yeah. Totally. You, you've got a couple books out. So, man, you, yeah. you've really covered all your bases really well yeah just keep um and and i don't again i don't want to give short shrift to any of that i encourage everybody to go on your website and uh and see all that you've done and i don't think they should really i feel like it's a waste of time i don't mean to fight you on this one but i feel like there's things like help a child i don't know read read a uh, read somebody else can do that you're right people probably are kids should help themselves frankly we're coddling them way too much that. you're a mother you know this oh believe me so let's talk about almost live um Yay. boy I, I i could talk to you for another Ten one more minute, minutes right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but let's talk about almost live and how you came there because you had been a theatrical person up till then that's what you wanted to do that's what you felt comfortable with and this tv thing you it was not something you eagerly embraced no. or maybe i'm wrong <laughs> Am I wrong? No, no I didn't like, mean that you weren't. Told you that? I don't mean that you weren't good at it. No, but no, no. You you're, just... I'm not taking. I'm not. Um, uh, I'm not real sensitive. I mean, I am. You know, hence my tough exterior. But um, I, in deep voice and such, um, and muscly forearms. Anyway, I. I hope I really set a sexy picture. Um, I was. <laughs> you're right because when I got the job, I did a short movie that John Keister had right. directed, yeah. um, and I had just gotten to town. And when I got the audition, everybody kept saying his name with the movie. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know this John Keister that everyone's like, it's a John Keister film. Okay, so for the John Keister film, like, what's it called? And they only would call it the John Keister film. And and then I heard from my agent, oh, he's 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 a big deal. He's a local big deal. He's got his own show. He's been around for a while. Everybody knows John Keister. And then when I did the film, mm-hmm. I saw how true that was. Like, hanging out with him meant that you were hanging out with the king of the city everywhere yeah. you went. He was just so known. Yeah, and that John Keister film is called That Night. Look, look, we're, in a few months, Angel's going on a big tour. I'm probably going with her. You should come with us, too. Take a break. Come party with us, man. Hang out a little bit. We'll probably have to sell some t-shirts or, you know, carry some shit around, but we're going to Italy and Germany and France. South America, and I thought, what kind did, of did luck? anybody ever bring up uh, the Pat Cashman film? <laughs> Hi, Eric. Hey. Hey, uh, man, I was just wondering. Uh, you were wondering. Yeah, I was just wondering if you uh, were wondering why nothing in life matters, uh, why the divide between cynical and beautiful is so big. Yeah, sure. It's cynical when you take the good things and you just smash them because you think they don't matter. And because of that, you think that you don't matter. While beauty gets completely ignored by the nihilistic creatures all around you. Is that what you were wondering? No, I I was just wondering if you were going to eat the rest of those onion rings. No, you, you can have them. Thanks. A Pat Cashman film. What is the Pat Cashman film? It's the film on, you can see it on his top teeth, especially. <laughs> no, John, John and I have talked about that. He, um, he pretty much uh, didn't have the keys to the city. He 
he he was making the keys to the city. I mean, he was yeah, he was, a, was really, a wonderful platform, and he'd be the first to tell you that. I know, totally. Because, and it was fun to, I remember thinking like, God, I just got to town, and I happened to like hook up with the king of the city. Like, that's fantastic. How lucky for me. It's good to be king, just for a while, to be there in velvet, yeah, to give him a smile. And then he asked me about being on the show. And when I was working at this uh, this bar, um, Entros, and restaurant place, and games place, I had a lot of actors that worked there. And I mentioned it. And the vibe from these, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's a very alternate alternate alternative crowd or some edgy crowd they were all like um almost live oh no 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 you don't want to go on almost live like that yeah that's what i thought i mean that's what i've always heard right Uh, they were really critical about it in disdain by serious they're like no 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 no." like the stranger just like no you don't want to do that almost funny no 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 and then um i had one friend who was like who had been like you know everyone's drinking and and these are all people too that is it was come to find and that were, you know, still at that bar five years later, still going like, I shouldn't done it. This is bullshit. You know, there was a little bit of that. Not true for everybody, I should say, but that was, but I had one guy, one friend of mine who took me aside and he was like, hey, that's, don't listen to what anybody's saying. What a fantastic opportunity. Cause here's the thing, go on it for one year, even just think one year, yeah. you're going to get tape yeah. and you'll have a reel. Like you'll have something to mm-hmm. show that you've done television. And then you could take that to do. And I didn't know what my ambition was. I know I was going to move to LA. That was it. I did know. And then I got the job offer from uh, John from daily show. Yeah. No, from um, almost life. Oh. Like I was in Seattle thinking uh, I was going to go to LA. And okay. then I get the job right. offer for almost live. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't mean to say no to you. I hope that wasn't hard. No, it, it's okay. I'm used to it. Okay, good. Did, how, much, how much did they pay you? Can I ask you that question? I feel Do you like remember? it was like seven. It was good. Because I remember I was like, I'm like the Daily Show, I got like 2000 a week or something. And I think for almost live, it was like 700 and something. Hmm. Maybe. Pretty good dough. That's better dough than I was making, I'll tell you that. It was it was Damn. low but good, right? Because you didn't do much. You could come in when you you know you could do what you wanted and and yeah, no, it was it was not like a real uh, job. No, especially show. for you. I, mean, I remember I have my I have very clear memories of it was always the day would start and then you come in around well, hello, let's say hi, and then you go to four your in the office. Afternoon. Yeah, because you did your morning show, and everyone's like, you know, don't mess with Pat. Like he's he's an empire. Don't come near him. He's working. He's working, and he's got a career. It's not this show completely like and so you, they didn't say that there's i don't know i'm like to make up stuff and so yeah okay and then oh. um and then you go like, just like boom boom like working like a job like you knew how to i don't know it just always seemed like you very well i had to make the most of my time because i didn't have a lot of it so right like yeah, you had a family was, and you had like it was all very different world than what i was hey let me ask you about this Do, when you went to those uh pitch meetings <laughs> by the way you were on the show from like 97 to the end of the show right a couple years yeah i was on it with joel like joel and i were no i was on it just like a year i would say year and a half and then the show was canceled i was on it when the show was canceled yeah. and nobody's blaming you for that everybody so you gotta stop you, for that. you gotta stop beating yourself letters up came in one. people are still like it was an awesome show and then you tried yeah. to bring in new blood and look what happened yeah yeah a woman of all things too Gross, yeah. we don't have enough here. of them already we got two of them totally. what, are we, what are we doing here and that um, was that was Tracy who was always saying that to me. Yeah, I'm just kidding. That's yeah. not true. She um, 
she she's a very sweet person, isn't she? Yeah. Keep Do I have to say for, that? Does it? Is I it wait. Kind of a thing? I keep waiting to see some dark, uh, dark Mr. Hyde's side of her, and it has I'll send you never a video. emerged. I'll send you so a video far. of her. Oh, oh, good. you should see her when she's around cats. Really? I'm just kidding. I don't she know. Doesn't like, I know she has a dog, and so that that adds up. Everybody's um, sweet. Did you like those pitch meetings? I hated them. I couldn't stand it. That's why I would show up late because I didn't want to go to the pitch. Oh, meetings. lucky you. No, I I didn't like the pitch meetings. I didn't like um. I, I mean, I liked the job so much and I liked going to, I liked being in that building. I liked being around the news people. I like going to the cafeteria and seeing the people yeah. with their earpieces in and that heffy, like heffy, heavy embalmed makeup look <laughs> they would have. And yeah. just like, wow, to see them up close to be like, that's a lot of makeup they put on. I thought that was always fun to be a part of a corporation like that. And to be like yeah. the weird, you know, comedy people. To be this close to Jeff Renner. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> Now let's go in a little bit tighter using our dual polarization technology. So awesome. <laughs> and I, well, I felt like it was also to have a, to be on staff for a show, for a, a television show, a comedy seems so, offend, so lucky. And also, by the way, the, these people that were saying like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I would, as soon as I got the job, everybody was like, if they ever need like a walk on or an extra, I'd be down for it. Ever, everybody was jealous. Yeah. like I truly was like was envious and would secretly say they wish they could you know and it was people all wanted it was a coveted in that town to get on that show it was a big well, I know. if you're in comedy and here I come not even from the comedy world exactly and I'm like I guess I'll take it like that's irritating um yeah well you you were recruited for that show I just happened to be around in the building and so <laughs> is that true we, we need a guy to play a tree stump Cashman come here but you oh. were actually brought in. Yes, and, John did. Um, John really fought for me, I think. Or John tried to get well, me. No, he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> he, no, he did. He did. But I, you know, I, I, I thought about this when I watched back some of your stuff recently from Almost Live Days. And there's one moment you wouldn't remember it. But it, 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 we did a bit. Because I was drugged? The, Is this something awful? Sorry, go ahead. The, behind the muscle, it was called. Um, and I might have talked about this on a previous uh, podcast, but there used to be a show on the music station uh, called Behind the Music. And it would always, the stories would have generally be the same. The Marshall Tucker Band yeah. began as a group of guys who knew they loved music. And then then, oh, then they become successful. And then the women are throwing themselves at them. And then they get into drugs. And then they, everybody falls apart. They start fighting and the band dissolves. And that at the end, they're always making their way back to right. respectability and maybe a resurgence of their career. It's, the story was the same every time. So somebody came up with the idea, it wasn't mine, behind the muscle. And it was the story of the rise and fall of Superman. Okay. And I was Superman. If you can, if you can picture Superman with pipe stem arms, I was Superman. <laughs> and so I, I also got into cocaine and all of this sort of stuff. And pretty soon I couldn't fly anymore. I <laughs> lost, I lost my super strength and, and I couldn't keep straight of whether I was Clark Kent or Superman, so you'd see my cape hanging out the back of my suit. As the high life got higher, he switched from cocaine to the hard stuff. Kryptonite. You know, my friends on Earth here, they used it and didn't seem to bother them. Of course, they were from the Earth. I forgot that. And uh, I just started using it more and more and more. And... I've always figured, well, I can quit the kryptonite anytime I want, and my powers will come back. And uh, 
then one, one day they didn't. And you did a little thing in that piece uh, that I just thought, uh, you, and uh, I'll play it here, but you, it's so simple, but you, I, and I looked back at it, I thought, God, this, this woman's an actress. That's, so that's what acting is, looks like. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. I just saw, he seemed like a little boy who needed, who needed to be, who just needed one, one needed a hug. Needed, needed to, be, to be told that, that he's okay. He doesn't have to be super. He can just be man. I don't remember that, but it sounds a little. But you actually gave me this compliment of um, I forget which one it was, or it was also this this idea that that you were. Um, do you mind if I talk about you, or are you like this is my show, Lauren? You take it easy. How dare you? No, have at it. Right, just God, give me a sign, you know, like cry. If you start it. crying, I know to stop. Um, that's usually <laughs> my sign. Um, that if only a few men knew that. But I, I that you didn't <laughs> like. Oh, so so quick. Uh, Ooh, that you man. didn't say a lot, that you weren't super chatty, chatty, right? That you also kind of do your job and go, you weren't like, you're like, so what are you doing this weekend? You know, you weren't, you, you had, I was doing my Eddie Murphy. Exactly. Well, yeah, nothing yeah. like that. But, but he, um, anyway, he, you, you came up to me after a, and I forget which sketch it was, but I'd been on and it was, I had a hard time. Um, I felt like I couldn't quite fit in I, just like I did at the daily show. Like I'm not quite comedy enough yeah. and I was more of an actor. So I felt yeah, like I we're already doing things. this. We know how to do it. We, for years going, and years and years. And at one point, Nancy, who I'm, you know, very close friends with took me aside and she, she took me to the cafeteria and she was like, you are always pitching show, bits for yourself. You never write for other people. And I was like, I know I found the golden ticket, right? <laughs> like I was like, works for me. I don't know how to write for other people. I don't know. I don't do, I don't mm -hmm. know what to expect people to do. I know what I could do, but I don't. And she was like, you can't, this is a, a it's a, a cast, you know, we're, we're a group. You need to write for other people. We all do. We don't just write things. And at one point I'd written a sketch where I had other people in it for this, like it was for the, um, the driver's ed sketch where I play like a, um, a woman teaching um, driver's ed, right? Oh, I, are you thinking of the one where you're teaching uh, people how to get a job? Job, that's it. Job, not driver's yeah. ed. Un, 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 they're unemployed, unemployed people. That's right. Yeah. And I was oh basically... God, what a great, what a great character. All right, oh, I'm gonna get started now, right? Okay, welcome to unemployment counseling. And normally I write that up here, but I've been really busy because I got a job. Okay. <laughs> And you don't, and that's why you're here. All right, okay. Now, the reason that you were chosen to come to this workshop is that you're the people that when we get your claims, we're like, oh, my God, he still ain't got a job. Right, so I was really excited about that one. I was really excited to do it. And then during rehearsal of it, so Nancy had a line, and she missed it during rehearsal. And I go, sorry, Nancy, that's you. And she's like, oh, let's see. So sorry, did I miss my line? Let's see. Lauren, 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 Lauren. <laughs> oh, here we go. That's right. And she was letting me, and I Her actually walk. think I really, and I had, at the time I was, I was just worried she was mad at me, but when she went and talked to me, which I think is so fantastic when someone actually tries to help you, it doesn't just talk shit about you behind your back, right? Doesn't just complain, but yeah. goes, you know what? You gotta need to, you gotta need to. Anyway, I, I remember thinking, God, I'm not very good at this or, you know, right. But you, I don't know why I'm going down that, but at one point, my point was to talk about you because you had come up to me after I think it was that sketch. It was. And I had performed it on the show. It was the first time I was kind of like, I felt like it was my breakout role, right? The time I got to really show what I can do. Oh, you did too. Right. And then you came up to me and you were like, great job. 
Lauren, that was really fantastic. That's all I said. said but didn't matter. That's the guy. Who, that's what the quiet guy gets to, gets to have. You know, it's like when they say something, it matters. And so when you said it, I was like, oh my god. And it was, and you know, you had a lot of sort of respect in the group for like you were act, you were good. You weren't like a comedy writer. They're going to throw in a sketch. You could also act and do things. You weren't just my my joke used to be when I would te- is that bouncing isn't acting. Like they would always bounce. Like that's funny if I bounce, I'll come in bouncing. Yeah. That makes it funny. <laughs> I was like, stop bouncing. Like, it's not, but so I, I just remember thinking like, oh, that was like, you know, I got the pad approval. I got a little like, um, well, that's very sweet. My quietness is just belies my lack of confidence. That's all it was. But. Sure. That's what I thought at the time. I just didn't want to say it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I can't, you know, I can't, you were sort of required to do characters. I, if I was going to do a character, I would just change my voice a little bit. I didn't yeah. know. I don't know how to act. I don't really do characters, but you, do characters and that was kind of a big new thing for the show and you you and I just would marvel at watching I think god I don't feel like I was that popular that's what an actress does huh yeah kind of come to think of it Tracy and Nancy are good actors too so I guess I'm the only one that sucks I mean yeah kind of but I I also didn't feel like I like those those pitch meetings for example like I remember thinking like, I'm not good at writing jokes. You know, you need to be able, and I remember working with Matt Smith, who was on the show for a little bit, right, I'm friends with right. him. He and I would go and try to like write jokes. To, like we had the setups. Like I remember the setup. I still remember the setup. That was like um, the, uh, the what's the thing that people that make? Cinnabon. Cinnabon <laughs> company has changed. It's changing its colors, its logo and colors. It's, it's changing its colors from uh, changing it to green, and pink and then you had to do the punchline like what comes after that and the one that won i don't, I don't know who wrote it was the favorite because it's the favorite colors of fat people <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize god writing jokes is not that hard it I isn't guess. but i would overthink it and i would just yeah, think yeah. there's some like I, I just found it so intimidating to think of like, my comedy always just came out of situations or just me reacting to things not right. sitting down and coming up with a formula of what but I have so many. Well, you did so many characters, and you did you did voices. You could you could do a British accent. Sure, you know it's standard theater geek stuff. Who died in Queen? Okay. You're fourteen. You're okay. seventeen. Yeah. Okay, no, you're dead. You're dead. Oh, I've got an idea. Natural hair came from the mind of Maha. It's Maha, actually. Maha. 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 Can I tell you but another it was good. thing? It was, a, it was authentic. Sure. Yeah. You know, well, I, you know, Juilliard, what are you going to do? I didn't go, but this is, do you remember the, do you remember the bit you did called sexual harassment awareness meeting? You are. I feel like that uh, wasn't a bit. I feel like I went to one. <laughs> now, what I want to do here is create a safe and honest environment for the next 10 minutes or until the lunches arrive so that we can talk about these things. Now, who'd like to start, who'd like to start us out? Maybe there is one thing that I would like to bring up here. <coughs> I, I just feel... Okay. Right. Do you hear that? No, are you going to let him do that? Is that okay with you? What? I have a cold. Oh, okay. So when you have a cold, it makes you go, how about a lap dance, baby? <laughs> so did I... I did, I did not say that. I did not say that. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, just, just for the record, I heard him telling somebody this morning that uh, he did not have a cold and that he... Hates women. So what are you I'm talking about? How do you get, this really sounds like kind of a separate issue between well, you right, and I Sabrina. actually do have a sexist problem. Um, Ron seems to take real pleasure in saying the words annual report to me. Oh. Oh. Yes, that. Absolutely, that and uh, a spreadsheet. Oh. What's wrong with that? 
Annual sounds like anal. Okay, uh, how about I say yearly instead? Uh, sounds like uterus. Yeah. Good cat. Good cat. No, you had one great line in there. <laughs> You're taunting a guy and you say, How about ass? The ass report. You guys, that's what you want, isn't it? Asses. Okay, give me an ass. Here, take, here. take it in. Brighten up your day a little bit. Oh, sorry, sorry. Never seen a patch of hair on a woman's back before? Come I on. shock you? <laughs> Too much. Sally, sit down. Too much. <laughs> that's based on that's based on a woman that I was in a, a play with and she had I was, oh, that's so good. I was taking my Did you write that bit? No, I don't think so. But I know that but, but you, that that patch of you hair. You contributed that line though. Yeah. Yeah, but that came great. from life. Right? I was in a play with this girl who I was taking my makeup off with a cotton ball and she had her she was like taking your costume off and I dropped the cotton ball and I couldn't find it on the floor and I look over and the cotton ball stuck on the patch of hair <laughs> on your back. I'm not kidding. Oh, sorry, sorry. Never seen a patch of hair on a woman's back before? Come I on. shock you? One of the, my favorite bits that you did was a real short one. It was called the strip tease. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a. And I can't and I can't do any justice to it in this podcast because it's entirely visual. Happy birthday to you! I have a surprise for you. But God, it was I cute and really funny. Yes, and Harry. Basically, armpits, you're like you're trying to make a a strip tease video for your boyfriend, we presume, right. or whoever. And so you start off and you take your you take you know, your entire blouse off and everything and yes. you're afraid. But each step along the way, you're dissatisfied with it because, well, you notice your stomach looks a little big. So you do a different one where you wore a shirt. Now, now you don't like the look of your arms. And so then you, then you put a shirt on so your arms don't show. And then you get disappointed with the way your neck works and looks. And, and then at the end, you're just completely covered in a big old blousey yeah, sloppy I've, sweatshirt that was, such it was a really one. clever I, I redid that one even i liked it so much like i did it initially yeah. for um almost live special that uh sex slugs and rock and roll uh, like valentine's yeah, day special really good it was so Just, i love i love my favorite things on the show i like character development and you were great at that but things that were really quick didn't have a lot of fat on them and just got to the point and right that was my favorite one me. in that same way is when i did the um it was with you and you go, it was a thing where we're reporting on a murder or something and you were at the scene of a murder. Oh, and then I was, a you witness. were good in that. I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of my favorite bits. I'm brought into a, uh, it's, I'm working at a news station. I'm a reporter and the news director and his, uh, his assistant are chiding me for being insensitive, not a really, I just make bad choices when I'm out in the field reporting. Now, Richard, as you know, KRTZ has been considered the number one news source in the city. Oh, yeah. We got the best cars, the coolest helicopter. The numbers have been dropping lately. Yeah, since he was hired. We were told that once the camera was off, you flipped off a group of preschool children on the playground. <laughs> well, yeah, but those little brats flipped me off first. <laughs> and so I'm reporting from a murder scene, and I, and you, come in from off camera at my invitation. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. You wanna be on TV? Say, back to you, Dan and Susan, from the scene of this senseless tragedy. Uh, back to you, Dan and Susan, from the scene of this senseless Susan. Tragedy, senseless tragedy. <laughs> uh, uh, from the scene of this senseless tragedy. That's good, that's good, you did good. Are you an actress? No! <laughs> Didn't you think she was good? See this sense of like she's a total like 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 total, with her like half oh, shirt God, on or whatever trying to like get attention. It, I thought that you know that bit really isn't that funny except for your performance, and then it's funny. I so did like that one. Just made all the difference. Well, uh, 
tired, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just exhausted. I, I don't know. I hear you. I feel like I got the life sucked out of me too. This it will it. take me about uh, four months to put this podcast together <laughs> because there's there's so much uh, there's so much to it. Um, what else? Is there anything else four I've months. left? <laughs> oh, I, one other of my favorite bits, and I don't know if you've ever done this one on stage too. Do you remember the sick waitress? Yes. Yes, in fact, thank you. I saw somebody do that recently, like on an SNL, something where I was like, what? Yeah, I just saw it on a rerun. Uh, Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell. And now, waiters who are nauseated by food. We have a... Oh. <laughs> we have a milk-fed veal with a uh, mint jelly. That, oh. <laughs> that, co- that comes with asparagus tips and an olive caper sauce. <laughs> Our four final specialist, chicken. Chicken. It's a great, I mean, it's a, the premise of it is so, but at the time, I remember loving the idea of it too and thinking it was so funny. And people were kind of like, it was kind of gross. Like that was really hard to, like that was almost too. But that was the I point would, of it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I, were, I just remember I never got exactly the, I'm like, do people get it? Do they? Yeah, you were a waitress that was not feeling well, shouldn't have been there at all, and you're gagging and you very convincingly are retching and you're just trying to keep it together um let me tell you about our specials we have today we have our soup is a, a vegetarian chili which oh sorry sorry that was disgusting sorry it's um uh right? great no i'm fine it's really good very spicy and um also we have uh our um our pasta is a, a, a gnocchi, which is like, uh... Do you want to sit down? Or... No, I'm okay. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm not here. I ate some uh, guacamole in the, in the kitchen, and um, I think it went bad, or like it turned or something. And mm. so I'm feeling a little nauseous, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm just, um... okay, sorry. So um, do you want to start out with a, a salad? Or something. I don't know. I don't want. You want to split one? Yeah. Split one. What would you like? Well, just some beef. 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 What would you like? Well, but I could not get them across at the pitch meeting yeah, and stuff, right? I yeah. was not able to go, here's the joke, here's the bit. I just was, I would, but I tell John something and he was usually the one who was like, oh, okay, I like that. We're gonna, we'll do that one. Like he would yeah. always push it ahead for well, me. Well, I think you got to the point uh, after a really short time where you, they, you'd pitch something and, and you implied that, oh, I know I can't tell it well, but I'm gonna make it work. And people said, yeah, she will. She yeah, that's, will. That's, that's the point I always wanna get to because I'm not good yeah. at, it's hard, it's hard to, to describe well, we better wrap this up by God, before the cops show up but let's tell everybody what you're you're going to be as we're taping this you're going to make an appearance in a show called euphoria yes yes that's right euphoria it's on hbo it's a show that's it's you know is it a series or a movie it's a series it's a series euphoria is like a um in fact the girl one of the the main women on it uh zendara is she just she won an Emmy for uh, lead actress in a drama this last year. And she's the youngest girl, youngest actress to ever win for lead 
girl. So oh, I wow. that had just happened when I was shooting um, the episode that I'm on. And it's a really, I really, some people are like, it's a heavy show. I love it. I think it's a really incredibly, it's intense. Um, anyway, yes, I'm on that. I play a therapist. And they, they did a special episode uh, that's, anyway. I don't, see, I can't describe it. It's not this is right back to like, it's, it's, not, full circle. it's not a comedy. Not a comedy. Ah. No, Anna In fact, I play a very, str- I play a therapist. I, I, I do a lot of listening, which is not my forte. I think I've made that clear. Where do you want to start? I don't know. Okay, why'd you run away? Um, and I'm, but I was really loving it. I love, I was like, you know, <coughs> just took up cigars like last week and having a little trouble with them. It's weird timing to take up cigars. Yeah, I know. I figure at my age, yeah, okay, 40 years, I'll get cancer in 40 years. Okay, I'll be 170 years years old by then, so it doesn't matter. Very positive. One one thing I do, Lauren, at the end of these little podcasts, I ask that whether it be Keister or Bill Nye or whoever, how important Almost Live was to where they find themselves today. How I see it is, if it weren't for Almost Live, I'd probably be doing theater full time and I'd be a lot happier and I wouldn't have had two marriages and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't know about alcoholism and abuse. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, if I didn't have, I mean, Almost Live is key, key, absolutely key. Like I would not, and I only in my old age in the last, I think three years or so, do I fully get these waves of like, you know, cause John Keister has been for years been like, God, you don't show any gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> like he'll let me know like you never you don't thank me you don't think there's any and I'm always like oh keep begging for it you're never gonna get it um if you're asking but now I completely see but how lucky yeah, I was oh yeah now he does but I'm so there's no way I would be I wouldn't be working in television at all if it weren't for almost live at all do you ever I don't think because feel... I do this I think everybody does uh at some point in their life they say god I, you know what Sometimes I think I wish I'd become a lawyer. I'm sorry to say that. Or sometimes I think, uh, I, I even think, there was a time when I even wanted to become a priest back when I was in grade school. And uh, and do, do you ever think back, man, man, I, man, I wish I'd become a doctor instead. Or, or do you at this point in your life and career say, I'm doing exactly what I want to do? Oh God, no, I'm, I'm doing exactly. No, I'm, I'm completely, I mean, I've there's a lot that I don't, uh, feel like successful about. I don't sort of sit back and go, look at my empire. I have lo- many moments of just like, oh God. But the one thing I feel certain about is I've known what I've wanted to do and how I wanted to be a human since like third grade on in the sense of creating stuff. Like I always wanted to create things. Like I knew that was going to be, and I've continued to do it. And, and to a point where even now people are like, well, good for you. I like, say you're painting. That's adorable. And I'm like, and, and I teach sometimes and have people going like, I thought I left my dreams go when I had my kids. And, and my poor child is I've never let go of any of that stuff. So I'm happy about that because I do think it keeps me mentally, it keeps me not hating being alive. You know, and there's moments where you are sort of like, what's the point of this party? And I do feel like I know the point of the party a bit and, you know, I don't know, keeping to make stuff and be the only regret I have is I do. I have let other people decide what my career is going to be. Like I do tend to look to a guy. I've, if I look at my trajectory, it's because, um, you know, different men have been like, you should do that. And I'm like, well, he likes me. Well, he likes me. Well, he likes me. Like I just sort of fly to whoever, you know, man is there with their arms open, which is truly a problem. <laughs> and then, cause I've never really stopped to go, well, what do I really want to be in the long run? Did I really want to be doing 
like being in sketch comedy was not my thing. It was not fully my thing. I loved it because I love, I do love acting. I love the comedy of it and I like working, you know, but it wasn't exactly, and almost like not exactly it. Like I was always like, not quite exactly. And, you get, you but, get most of that from your one woman stage shows, I assume. Yeah, I was, I guess so self-absorbed. Anyway, at the end of it all, it seems like a fantastic, uh, not the end of it all. Oh God, I hope Jesus wasn't listening. Um, I, it, you know, at this point, it seems like pretty lucky and pretty great that I've gotten to do any of that stuff. And that Almost Life started in such a great city, too. Like I still consider Seattle to be my home. It's been pretty lucky and pretty great that we got to spend time with you today. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Pat. I'm now, glad to have something to do. Now get out of here, would you? Okay. And no more with the COVID, please. I don't think, okay. Well, I'm, I'm ambitious. So I like to think I can get it again. <laughs> If you want a diet supplement that gives you the extra strength and vigor to take on today's world, then try Weight Gone. Weight Gone eats away the fat and gives you that little extra buzz to keep you alert all day long. Now, some people do feel some slight side effects from Weight Gone, including headaches, blurred vision, hypertension, vertigo, leg cramps, peripheral edema, nasal polyps, increased sputum, ocular hemorrhage, puffiness in the groin area, uncontrollable shaking, cowering, and whimpering, huge fungus-like growths on the face, hair loss from at least two important parts of the body, hallucinations involving squid people, horrible agonizing cramps, painful enough to make the strongest of men cry out for mommy, spasms so violent and grotesque that even medical spasm experts turn away and say, I can't watch this, a tendency for vital organs to explode for no apparent reason, an inability while driving to remember which is the gas and which is the break, vicious involuntary impulses to punch mailmen, sudden urges to have sex with Mexicans, and involuntary drooling during sex with Mexicans. Otherwise, Wake On is completely safe. Now, there are rumors that a man using Wake On in Canada tried to end his suffering by impaling himself with a staple gun. That is an urban legend. In fact, it's one of the few urban legends that is actually true. But on the other hand, are you going to deny yourself a thinner you just because of one fat, spineless cheesehead? I didn't think so. Wait, gone. You'll be seeing a thinner you as soon as your eyes stop bleeding. The Almost Live, Still Alive podcast. Produced and edited by Morris Patrick Cashman. Technical director is Dave Tavers. Special gratitude to the legendary Kenneth George Buford McCaw, Almost Live's chief archivist. And thanks also to King TV Seattle. This program was made possible in part by the 12th century nun and mystic Hildegard von Bingen, inventor of spoken language. And by Emil Berliner, creator of the microphone. And I'm your announcer. That kid from Sluggy, Chris Cashman.